0: This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by The Grad House. One of the best-kept secrets on campus, The Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of house-made meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you are sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop, The Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here.
1: You are now entering ratemyprofessor.com. Preparing content. Please wait.
2: Asking me to rate this professor or his class is like asking me to rate Stalin's contribution to human rights. Instant amnesia walking into this class. I swear he breathes
0: sleeping
1: gas. Valerie is evil concentrated. In tasty juice form.
3: Her vocabulary of math terms comes from a Doritos bag.
1: Ever wonder what happened to the Oompa Loompas in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? One of them learned Not PowerPoint is the and teaching Civ teacher, Pro. It also has a better personality. This prof hours, is as cold and impenetrable nice as and an ice cube in picking so hitchhikers wrap. up along the way to some place that sucks, fraud as an like New Jersey. How she got a PhD in yes, anything is a mystery. It may like even a be a, on a pet a in the most platonic account. way possible.
4: Charles Manson of math. His this woman needs to be like fired. It was good
0: for two weeks. His eyebrows once reached out and grabbed me.
3: She will rip your heart out out through your throat and eat it for lunch. Bring Uh, Bring a pillow. Then she'll start her real torture. And then
0: bring your pillow a pillow. She hates you already. One out of five. Would not take class again.
3: You're listening to You in the Ring on CFUV 101.9FM. Broadcasting from the Songhees and Husanich territories of the Lekwungen and Sinchothan-speaking people, commonly known as Victoria. On the season finale, we take a look into the world of Rate My Prof and the world of gender-biased evaluations. Pretty much every university student has used Rate My Prof at least once. I have, you have, your friends have, and that really quiet kid with the, the massive headphones? They definitely have. It's a fact. You're picking courses, and you're scrolling through the options you have, and then you notice that a class is taught by two different profs, and you think, interesting, a choice. And because you don't want to take the one that has the boring mean prof, you go to Rate my Prof, and you see what previous students have said. You crunch the numbers, do the mental math, read the reviews, and ta-da, you make a decision. And you feel pretty good about it. You've beat the system and avoided an awful classroom experience. That's the student side of the site. A professor's visit is quite different.
5: I initially read them many years ago. I just looked at it and was like, ah, I don't want to read things like that about myself.
3: This is Professor Karen Brown.
5: And I'm a sessional, or sessional instructor, or sessional lecturer, it's never been clear what the title is, in the Department of Philosophy
3: here at UVic. She has a 4.2 on Rate My Prof, just in case you're wondering. But she doesn't really care about that number. In fact, most professors don't really take the site seriously, mainly because of the format of the site.
5: Yeah, so it, it, it really invites more personal comments than the classic in-course student evaluation does, um, because it really is rate the professor, um, which can be a bit like judge the person. Uh, and so there's a, a bit of an invitation to um, just give a very unprofessional evaluation.
3: JudgeThePerson.com isn't as snappy though, but the point remains that this site definitely has a reputation of being an outlet for off-the-cuff reviews of professors, like this one for example.
6: Professor Ross said that English majors have to know about everything, history, economics, politics, etc. He then tries to put down engineering majors to make English majors look better by claiming that engineering majors have the highest unemployment rate in Ontario. He also makes a lot of inaccurate political comments about the United States. This is Professor Stephen Ross, a three point eight. I'm a professor of English and cultural, social, and political thought.
3: That review was left on his Rate My Prof page about a year ago, but it, it still irks him.
6: <laughs> what, the, what I can't quite figure is why they're called inaccurate. I mean, they're political. There's no question, but mm-hmm. um, uh, this, this is one of the reasons I hate Rate My Prof. I was like, none of this makes any sense to me, and there, but there's no, you know there's no point in taking it very seriously either cuz there are, you 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 can respond to them i think um or some profs do but it seems to me that as soon as you do that you validate the whole anonymous review thing so uh clearly an engineering major who was upset <laughs> at having to take english in first year and uh and didn't like that uh that i you know i probably i made a, i made a pitch for english anonymous reviews
3: play a huge role on this website so Let's take a moment to review how this site actually works.
4: So it's pretty easy to get to the site.
2: Just type in ratemyprofessor.com. Okay, we've got three options. Find a professor, find a school, rate a professor. What do you want to do, Kevin?
4: I would definitely like to rate a professor. Awesome. Are we rating just any one Professor?
2: I've decided we're going to review... Stephen Ross at the University of
4: Victoria. You've decided? I've decided. I thought that we decided.
2: Okay, so they've given us some guidelines here. Pretty easy to follow. Rating do's and don'ts. Do double-check your comments before posting. Coast cords. Ooh, codes. course codes. Shit.
4: Morse code.
2: <laughs> Must be accurate and doesn't hurt to check grammar.
4: Do discuss the professor's professional abilities, including teaching style and ability to convey the material clearly.
2: Don't use profanity, name-calling, or derogatory terms, and don't claim that the professor shows bias or favoritism for against For or for against, or against students. students. That seems shitty. How could you give an honest review? What if they do? <laughs> what if they're a total racist? All right, whatever. Okay, so we scroll down. It's your turn to grade Professor Stephen Ross. Literally, the first thing we have to do is just s- the sliding scale of rating the professor, between one and five.
4: I've never taken a class with this professor.
2: I did. Ooh, I like this. It pops up. It says mediocre at best. I feel like everybody deserves mediocre.
4: Okay. How yep.
2: how difficult do we think his course is? Show up and pass. Easy A.
4: It's the, the usual, usual, probably. Makes
2: you work for it or hardest thing I've ever done?
4: Considering we don't know.
2: I would say the usual. Or, yeah,
4: I would say yeah. it's probably the usual. Yeah,
2: I lied up never taking a class with him. I know you haven't. Okay, question four. Would you take this prof again, yeah or um, no? or Probably
4: um, no. Um, no. Because yeah. I'm in visual arts.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Was this class taken for credit? Definitely. Definitely for credit textbook use did we have to buy a textbook
4: for sure it's english like yeah, yeah. definitely and, and then we never opened these it.
2: are two optional things that we can respond to one is attendance is attendance mandatory or I non-mandatory it's definitely
4: mandatory it's a four credit class
2: and then we can say what grade we got Knowing A plus. Yeah, yeah i was going to say we're both pretty good at speaking english yeah for
4: sure. um maybe not quite
2: i think we are so now we have to select up to three tags that best describe this professor there's a kind of a bunch of options here um, I'm gonna say that he respected. That's yeah, just, it's just respected.
4: respected. Um, but also get ready to read, because
2: where's get ready it's, to it's read? It's one of
4: those classes, right there, underneath. Oh respected. yeah, for He's sure. So close.
2: Um, I think you know reading books is definitely a group project, so I'm gonna hit that
4: take. Oh well, then we gotta regrade him because group projects are the worst. <laughs>
2: Last thing we get to do is here's your chance to be more specific. We get 350 characters to say essentially whatever we want, although there are some guidelines.
4: Stephen Ross was a cool guy, and he taught some nice English, and I enjoyed listening to it. was um, t'was very nice.
2: I think we should we should end our comment with didn't love his hairstyle. I didn't, could see that be distracting.
4: Didn't love his hairstyle.
2: Didn't, didn't love his hairstyle. That's why I came to college.
4: Wish he would put a hat on.
2: Yeah, for sure. Wish yeah. he would put a hat on. And then maybe finally, like, just no more group projects.
4: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we've got so many characters left. I think we'll just... Do that. Just
2: though. no more group. Oh man, I can't spell anything. Steven didn't help me at all.
4: Projects, please. Please spell PLZ, because we didn't learn that much, but we also got A pluses.
2: Yeah. I feel like it's probably important to comment on his appearance more.
4: I don't think so. No. I think I think that his we've already yeah. gone after his hairstyle. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's true. Maybe he should try hair plugs. Should we mention that? I no. Okay, no hair plugs. Okay, well, that's that. And then we can stay um, anonymous and get perks, so we we could sign up. Nope. No, I don't nope. think we have to sign up. I think we just no, have to you, say you that you don't
4: we, have to, which is honestly a little ridiculous. We have
2: to confirm we're not a robot, so you just click that checky button and then submit. Shit, we miss we missed a step. Oh, we had to enter oh, a course code.
4: It's um.
2: It's ing two hundred
4: one. Yeah, ing. Ing <laughs> two hundred
2: one. And then it says, "Nice work. We'll take it from here." Um. Your rating of Stephen Ross at University of Victoria has been posted. You've graded the grader, and it just seems to get the thumbs up from our moderation team. They've already monitored it. This poor guy. (laughs) Even though we commented on his hair.
4: What if he finds out who we are?
2: And then from here, we can... We can... He's not going to. Nobody listens to college radio. That's true. Yeah.
3: The point I'm trying to make here is that these reviews are super easy to make or even fake And this is a big deal because they can actually affect a professor's career. Believe it or not, Rate My Prof actually affected the lives of a bunch of profs when it started getting really, really popular in the 2000s. There are stories of profs flooding different professors' Rate My Prof pages with horrible reviews to make themselves look more respected than their colleagues. It didn't work. They got fired. But there's even a story of how a professor in Pennsylvania was let go for having poor student valuations but then found out that they were actually printed versions of their Rate My Prof page. Bottom line is that these reviews are used whether universities admit it or not. And even if they don't, students still use these reviews to decide if they'll take a class, and that impacts the professor. Here's Dr. Brown.
5: If those sorts of comments are going to impact um, course choice, one thing that absolutely affects my employment is enrollment. So, um... Faculty who uh, for sessionals, people who who get more students in their courses, are in various roundabout ways rewarded for that. Um, And so uh, getting those good reviews really matters in that way. So if you have courses that don't get enrolled at all, um, at least before you become a continuing sessional, that would bode ill for you.
3: So yeah, rate by profit valuations can be a big deal, which is really strange considering the website's history.
5: Uh, Yeah, Rate My Prof.
3: Professor Brown.
5: It's a site that um, originally had on it quite prominently um, a chili pepper setting, right?
3: So back in the not-so-distant past, you would write a review like you would today.
5: But it also had this feature where you could um, rate the hotness of your professor.
3: Is your prof hot or is your prof not? Which is really messed up for obvious reasons.
5: You know, the idea that you would begin your evaluation of the professor by addressing how hot they were, um, it, 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 it's something that makes it likely that women will be, it's objectifying,
3: right? Absolutely. The site was essentially feeding and proliferating the gender bias while at the same time desensitizing students and professors to it.
5: So one thing that it does is sends the message that this is an appropriate way to talk about your professor and that while you're sitting in class, you should be deciding, you know, not um, focus on the material, but asking yourself, how hot do I think he or she really is, right? And um, it's it, it then also sends the message that this is an appropriate way to talk to other people about this person, right? So very publicly saying, An important feature of a professor is how attractive they are. And uh, you can certainly take it as a kind of joke, right? Um, But it's demeaning anyway.
3: And this was how the site operated for many, many years, until 2018. So um,
5: it wasn't until last year, uh, last summer, that there was a bit of an uprising.
3: What happened was that Bethann McLaughlin, a neurology professor at Vanderbilt University, tweeted at RateMyProf, calling the website out for its obnoxious and irrelevant chili pepper rating. And it blew up. The tweet ended up getting over 2,000 retweets and over 14,000 likes. RateMyProf tries to get McLaughlin to submit a formal complaint, but she refuses, and the tweet just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Other professors start flooding the RateMyProf Twitter account with complaints, and RateMyProf actually starts trying to defend its stupid chili pepper, saying that it's actually used to measure dynamic teaching styles which is bullshit, And you can actually scroll through the Rate My Professor tweets and see that on many occasions it has equated hotness to its chili pepper rating.
1: Dear at Rate My Professor, Life is hard enough for female professors. Your chili pepper rating of our hotness is obnoxious and utterly irrelevant to our teaching. Please remove it, because hashtag time's up and you need to do better. Thanks, female college prof.
3: Here's Dr. Brown.
5: People um, resented the the way that this is used, especially against female professors. And so um, Rate right, My Professor took it off, got rid of the chili pepper rating.
3: The idea that attractiveness is important in teaching isn't exclusive to Rate My Prof. It's even shown up in university in-class evaluations.
5: So I have read the, um, the course experience surveys that UVic does, right? So those come back, and I read those. And they have been... Sometimes too personal,
3: like way too personal.
5: So I've had comments to the effect that uh, people liked my old haircut better. That they may be right. That it's preferable. But you know, that's a personal kind of comment. Um, uh, one semester, I had put on a little bit of weight, and I had people write. Uh, two people wrote that my clothes were too tight. Interesting comment. Um, I've I've had people talk about my clothing before, um, uh, one person wrote, it's strange because sometimes it's a positive comment mostly, but it's just inappropriate. So one student wrote that um, he liked the way, uh, he liked to watch the way that I um, direct the discussion with my strangely lovely hands. And, And that's just such a strange thing, right?
3: Yeah, like really strange.
5: And what it does is it tells me somebody is sitting there in class, like, focusing on my body, right? In fact, a number of people are focusing on my body. And I get that the professors in the front of the room and you are looking at them.
3: Hearing these stories made me cringe so hard that I think I momentarily became a black hole.
5: Right. And, and to be, you know, trying to think about how I can do a better job teaching and get the message that what I should do is, I don't know, keep my hands in my pockets, use my lovely hands more. It's
3: very strange. It's pretty messed up. After hearing story on story of professors being objectified, I decided to look into what RateMyProf is doing to stop these kinds of demeaning reviews. Turns out Rate My Prof has a set of guidelines that must be followed or one of their, and I'm, I'm quoting here, expert moderators will remove the comment. So let's go through some of these guidelines.
2: Remember, be honest in your
1: reviews.
4: When you are reviewing a class and or professor, it's often helpful to provide both pros and cons.
1: Rate My Professors reserves the right to remove ratings that do not contain substantive comments. Avoid hearsay. Do not comment on a professor's appearance, dress, age, gender, or race.
3: I emailed the website to see if I could talk to one of their expert moderators about these guidelines but shockingly never heard back. If I'm being honest, I was kind of upset. So, I decided to take things into my own hands. I really wanted to test these guidelines and see if the moderators were actually up to the task of guarding Rate My Prof from the horrible judgmental reviews that they said they would not allow. Basically, I created these fake professors, which to no one's surprise is even more simple than writing a review. One of them was named Henry Hickory Hines, and the other, Hillary Honeypot Hines. One male and one female. And I made them both professors in the Department of Gender Studies at UVic. And I just started writing reviews, but not just any reviews, ones that were an obvious violation of the site's guidelines.
4: Yes, quite. Hmm. Henry, or as he often prefers to be called, Mr. Hickory, was very hard to work with as a professor due to his uncanny ability to turn every single lecture into a conversation about his tweed jacket. Every lecture within the class also included Henry speaking about his past career as a carpenter, even citing the fact that it was no place for women. Sad face.
3: And yes, some of the really, really awful ones were deleted instantaneously. But also, some of the really messed up ones were left up, and they're still on there to this day.
1: For a male prof teaching about gender studies, he's pretty good. This prof is lame, (laughs) haha, get it? But in all seriousness, Prof. Hickory Hines was a great prof to have. He was always easy to find and even easier to talk to. And yeah, the cane is a nice touch.
3: And then I asked some friends to get involved.
2: All right. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna create a professor. We've decided the name is Rick, Rick Ross. Rick Ross. Okay. Bracket. Oh, shit. this is name of school. So I've already I've uh, already you messed, messed up. messed it up. Yeah. So the yeah. first one is you put in the university University of victoria
4: (laughs) you could have just wrote it's fine
2: okay it's fine i don't even care it's it's good um professor's first name is rick uh middle name boss oh i like that because then it's it's just got that nice roll off the tongue yeah you know rick Rick ross like a boss ross in it
4: no capitals i see you're going for a really quick (laughs) approach
2: should i capitalize it okay 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 Sorry, sorry. I can't swearing. swear on radio. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I've now capitalized all the letters, dear listeners. Um, department. Music. Really? Rick Boss Ross? Yeah, he's a rapper. Can I select a department from here or do I type it in? This is an interesting process. Nothing's happening. I'm clicking on the down arrow. I'm s- and nothing's happening.
3: It's because you didn't type in the university properly. Uh...
2: so sorry okay so we're going into departments nice there's lots of options either
4: business or music both would be applicable. yeah
2: but i also think maybe french uh no no okay um
4: music it's right music it's right. yeah right. it just dire- makes sense yeah.
2: it's just a natural fit
4: directory okay. listing uh no nope.
2: no so we're, we're agreeing to the terms of use yeah and we're also saying that we're not a robot and then we're going to submit Okay, so Professor Rick Ross has been submitted. So I guess essentially...
4: Hasn't been approved yet by the moderators.
2: Okay, so we have to wait for... We'll have to, have to wait
4: heard. to see if Rick Ross gets the job.
2: But then once they give the green light, which by the way, I don't think the criteria is...
4: Then Rick Boss Ross is good to go.
2: I don't even think you have to you have to upload like a degree or anything. They didn't ask us.
4: If I signed myself up, does that mean that I would be a real professor and I could just show up for work?
2: I think that's how
3: that works. Yeah.
4: Okay. Yeah, for sure. So why does anyone go to school?
2: Um, it's for college radio. Ah, yes. yes. Yeah.
3: So pretty quickly, I figured out that moderators are either pretty lazy or don't actually care. They could also just be bots trying to target keywords or maybe some kind of combination of both. More research is needed. So if you feel inclined, go to Rate My Prof and leave a review for Professor Henry Hickory Hines and Hillary Honeypot Hines. Thank you. But even though my little experiment did confirm the lack of moderation on the site and confirm just how vulnerable professors are to this kind of harassment, it still didn't touch on something that had become glaringly obvious during our interviews. And that was the gender bias and the backlash that most female professors receive for, well, being professors. After the break, we go searching for answers and find a UVic study that just might have them. Stay tuned.
1: This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by The Grad House. One of the best-kept secrets on campus, The Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of housemade meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you are sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop, The Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here.
3: So, I had just done all this messing around trying to prove that RateMyProf was a cesspool of a website, with next to no moderation being upheld, but I still didn't have any solutions, and I still didn't address the ginormous elephant in the room that is gender bias. So I started reaching out to people who were way smarter than me, people who I'd been talking to, turns out, the entire time. Professors. I started emailing specifically psychology professors, even more precisely social psychology professors. I told them about the episode and asked if any of them would be open to discussing the impact of gender norms on professors. And then I waited. And waited. I I actually didn't wait that long. Pretty quickly, Professor Danu Stinson replied, saying that it just so happened that one of her PhD students had just written a publication on gender bias in ratings on Rate My Prof. And so I emailed the PhD student and asked her if she'd want to be interviewed. She said, yes.
7: Uh Hi, my name is Alex Fisher. I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Victoria in social psychology. I mainly study um, group processes and romantic relationships and kind of the intersection of the two. So usually stereotyping and uh, bias in terms of romantic relationships.
3: And her work eventually caused these two separate research topics to collide.
7: Yeah, so um, it's kind kind of a roundabout story, but we originally, um, I was doing a literature review a long time ago and coming up with all of this, um, all these findings that women are really. Um, negatively evaluated in professional domains, um, particularly like high status or male dominated domains. There's a, like a wealth of literature on the kind of biases that women face in these areas. Um, but then I knew also from my, um, like romantic relationships kind of background that we have these very positive stereotypes about people who are, um, attractive. That's um, called the what is beautiful is good stereotype. And so uh, we are thinking about how both of these kinds of stereotypes relate for women in academia, um, particularly. So we have that conflicting kind of stereotype where we think beautiful people are good, but then there's just all these stereotypes about women in high status domains like academia and how they're evaluated negatively. So we wanted to see how these kind of two um, different processes work played out in terms of Rate My Professor ratings.
3: And why did you choose Rate My Professor?
7: Because at the time, (laughs) uh, Rate My Professor had a hot or not.
3: The chili pepper. The chili
7: pepper option, yeah.
3: The infamous chili pepper. But what makes this study even more interesting is that Alex's research actually started before the pepper was taken down.
7: Um, Yeah, because we started collecting this data in 2015, we had access to the chili pepper, but now it's gone.
3: Which makes the research all the more valuable. Exactly. But just to backtrack a bit, uh, it's important to understand that even without the chili pepper, the gender bias is still there. It's just a bit more subtle. Research shows that words like nice and nurturing or caring showed up way more in reviews for female profs than male profs, while words like arrogant were used more frequently with males. Females would often be called rude.
7: Well, yeah, and then on the other side of that too, right, is like the words like brilliant or, or professor are used for male professors, whereas like teacher or instructor are more often used for women. So even there's a status kind of differential within the words that we're using f- to describe our instructors.
3: All these subtle, potentially subconscious word choices actually speak volumes about how gender norms are affecting us. And there's a ton of research out there if you want to dive into it. Alex's research was focusing more on something that hadn't been explored, factors that might lead to negative evaluations of professors. It's called backlash.
7: Yeah, so backlash was a term coined by Lori Redman, a feminist psychologist, um, to describe the kinds of negative evaluations that women face in, like, male-dominated or high-status environments. Uh, So, like, I believe she characterized it as usually a warmth penalty. So um, women in high status or masculine kind of careers or positions, I mean, predominantly like male dominated um, positions are described typically as having lower warmth they're not friendly they might be seen as competent but they're not seen as warmth so we have these two kind of dimensions of stereotypes one is like the competence dimension one is the warmth and so we usually see people on those two kind of scales so um, women in these high status positions are seen as very competent they're doing their job well but where the backlash occurs is they're then not seen as warm whereas women in lower status positions might be seen as more warm and lower in competence.
3: So Alex and her team dived into the world of academia to figure out where this backlash was having the most effect on female professors and why.
7: So first we wanted to identify what the kind of Within, even though academia is a pretty high-status environment itself, like across the board, we wanted to look uh, within academia at the very high-status departments and low-status departments. So we we operationalized that by um, looking at like the highest-paid departments versus the lowest-paid, and and um, so our highest-paid um, departments that we identified were um, engineering, computer science. Um, business economics, and the lower status, lower paid were philosophy, history, and English.
3: (laughs) The humanities.
7: Yeah, essentially the humanities.
3: And she suspected that higher the status, the more backlash there would be against female profs in that department. But then she decided to look at how the makeup of different departments would impact the severity of backlash.
7: We also looked at how um, like the gender composition of the department affected.
3: Whether the department had higher percentage of female profs versus male profs.
7: Or, and also the age of the professors. So um, we wrote down and recorded uh, the years that they graduated from their undergrad.
3: Even how long they had been working at that school, as well as the level of courses they were teaching to account for, the easiness of a class. And all this took a lot of research.
7: We had to go through people's CVs and websites wherever we could find it. So we couldn't find everyone's information, but we found as much as we possibly could. Um, my, when I say we, I'm saying my. Really, it's my wonderful research assistants that helped me on this project. Um, but yeah, they had to do a lot of digging through a lot of a lot of CVs, a lot of websites to find this information.
3: Months and months of just scrolling through random profs' LinkedIn pages or combing through their Facebook profiles to see if they posted about getting into grad school. Basically, Alex and her team had to carbon date professors to study them. And then when it's all said and done, they would see if there was a pattern between profs' Rate My Prof Score and all the data Alex and her team had collected on department composition, age, experience, And even if they had a chili pepper on the website. And so once it's all collected, they just start crunching the numbers. And hypothesis after hypothesis is confirmed.
7: Generally, what we found was for most women, um, being in a high status department and um, being uh, younger or having less time at an institution um, was associated with worse rate my professor ratings.
3: The study also revealed that female profs who were working with a higher proportion of female faculty in their department were actually guarded from the backlash, and they were guarded even more if it was in a lower status department. And then on top of this, if you factor in the hotter, not chili pepper, things get even worse. If you were a female prof in a high status department and you didn't have a chili pepper, your rating plummeted. The average rate-by-prof rating for a not-hot female professor in a high-status department was around three, but someone in the same department who was even considered hot by the pepper rating had an average rating of four. But again, even though it's highly likely that the chili pepper indicates attractiveness, Alex and her team couldn't say for sure what was going through a person's mind when they gave one.
7: Yeah, so most women who, like, when we talk about the attractiveness piece, it's... Like, those are just, it's hard to speak to what um, people are thinking when they're giving a chili pepper to a professor. Like,
3: because like, it's so subjective.
7: Yeah. Like, it could be physical attractiveness, but it also could be just like performative. Like, was this person like warm, enjoyable, nice, like extroverted kind of person? There's those characters. that they have a spicy personality. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so, we couldn't really speak too much in that original study to, um, like the physical attractiveness and how important that was.
3: So they decided to do another study, this time specifically testing out whether attractiveness plays a role in student backlash. And they used a site called Amazon Mechanical Turk. Yeah, so... <laughs> Can you explain? <laughs> yeah. what Amazon Me- Mechanical
7: Wh- Turk is um, a website where people sign up for it to do tasks or jobs. So companies m- might use it to like... Uh, farm out some some work that they're doing but a lot of like psychologists and other social scientists use this website to put up studies um, and then have people take it for compensation so they'll get money to do our to do our research
3: and so what alex does is she starts creating these fake professor profiles just like i did but way better she goes to i stock
7: yes found some photos from i stock uh randomly kind of like selected a bunch of photos and had them rated by by M turkers as well for how attractive they were. Um, and then also, you know, we just, we just focused on women for this study. So we just, um, had women. And when I say attractive, I'm meaning like the, the, what the chili, the no chili pepper condition or the women who are not getting a chili pepper are like most women, like for the, for the chili pepper women, we chose really, like really beautiful women, like just, unrealistically beautiful, you know.
3: And she chooses 5 photos of unrealistically beautiful models and 5 that are not. And then she started creating fake syllabi, creating fake PowerPoint slides for lectures, and even created fake handmark quizzes just to simulate what it would be like to be in this fake professor's course. So, when the participant came to the site, they would be either given a low status department or high status department and would also be randomly assigned one of the iStock photos. So they either get a hot prof or a not hot prof. and
7: basically found the same the same pattern of results. so women in the high status engineering field rated worse uh, than when she was exactly the same woman but teaching English. Um, and what we also found in that study too was that the perceptions of her femininity were actually for the for the highly attractive woman. Her perceptions, people's perceptions of her femininity didn't change depending on whether she was teaching English or teaching engineering. Um, But the less attractive woman, they were perceiving uh, her as much less feminine when she was in the high status engineering department. So you can see even there how that stereotype is shifting depending on the woman's attractiveness. So when she's highly attractive, um, she's equally feminine regardless of what Uh, department she's in, Um, so she's seen as conforming to gender roles essentially. Whereas you see the the evaluation of the the less attractive woman, so most women, shifts depending on whether she's in this high-status versus low-status department. They're seeing her as less less feminine, less conforming to gender roles when she's in this high-status, typically male-dominated department. So even that's very telling and interesting about how, how these kinds of biases shift.
3: And just take a step back here, Alex herself is on the same path that many of these professors she's studying have been on, and to be sitting there and just having all this data pouring in, confirming all the stereotypes that you don't want to be true, can be really hard.
7: Yeah, unfortunately, it's a bit uh, depressing sometimes to do the work that I I do. Um, ideally, I would have liked these hypotheses not to have been confirmed. Um, but yeah, going into it, I think it's like uh, as someone who's going to be teaching soon myself um, and being early on in my career, um, it is a bit daunting to think about how, so whether like, I know whether students are making these evaluations or not, I'm a professor this is likely influencing, like these same stereotypes are going to be influencing how they're perceiving me as an instructor, whether or not they make an evaluation of me. Um, But I also know that they will be making an evaluation of me at the end of the term, right? And how my course went. Um, And so I do think about these things and it can be a bit um, daunting at times, especially when these issues are so systemic and, and there's no clear... Um, like solution for it, at least in in like the <laughs> the eminent future, right? Like the 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 close future, there's no clear solution. So I know that these biases are going to be affecting um, how students are evaluating me. And I think a lot of women are aware of the kinds of um, kind of double standard or uh, that they face to, to be kind of you have to conform to your own gender role, perhaps to have, get approval from other people, and you also have to maintain that authority and that competence of your role. Um, and doing both at the same time is often like a hard kind of <laughs> tightrope to walk. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely think about it. And at this point, I don't know what to do <laughs> how to how to help it.
3: It's a lot of pressure to put on yourself especially when you know there's a high likelihood that these same stereotypes are going to affect you someday. But there are some things that we can try and do to push ourselves in the right direction, to try and get some of the momentum we actually need to make these changes happen.
7: Yeah, well, in the paper, we're recommending to get rid of teaching evaluations um, for all the biases that they're that are influencing them, um, they're just not useful at this point in time, and it, particularly when you think it's not just gender.
3: There are so many other identities that influence how we stereotype people, race, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status. The list goes on and on.
7: So, for the meantime, I think getting rid of teaching evaluations is is useful in terms of like correcting for. Um, these biases in terms of hiring and promoting Um, but I think long term some of the some of it has to do with the representation of women and other minorities within academia and within high status realms like until we have greater representation and more people in these roles to actually shift the stereotype away um, You can't really get get away from these biases until there's enough like progress and enough representation in these different departments
3: Which is a bitter pill to swallow
7: like that's perhaps uncomfortable, you know for people um like we need especially in like when you I think the numbers in that paper of like women in economics and computer science is still around like 17 20 that kind of thing like we need to make huge changes in in those areas, especially. Or even in the opposite direction, too, where more men in, like, what we'd consider these, the humanities, the lower status departments. Like, there needs to be more gender balance across the board. Um, but not just gender, like I was saying, like, above and beyond gender more mm-hmm. representation of all types of identities.
3: After doing all this research on Rate My Prof, I asked Alex what her thoughts of the site were.
7: I feel like the, there needs to be a way for students to to voice um, their opinions about their professors and like have that kind of like resource to kind of get a sense of people. But I also think that there's too many factors that are influencing these ratings Um that students aren't aware of when they're evaluating their professors based on these ratings. They don't have the insight into what all is kind of forming these evaluations. And so when you look at it from the professor's side of things or the instructor's side of things, um, it doesn't, it's not a fair evaluation of, of their actual like experience and the classroom environment that they're providing.
3: Bottom line is that Rate My Prof is the only resource students have to be vocal about their professors, where they can publicly share and access that information. But as we've learned, the site isn't necessarily up to this task. So The question remains, does this weirdly popular site have a responsibility to its users to be better at eliminating the backlash, or should it be the job of its users to be better at recognizing when they are indulging these gender norms, and to police themselves?
7: Well, well, that's what well, we know from literature that people who are most likely to be making these ratings are either going to be very happy about the course, or they're going to be very upset about the course, and I think that's asking a lot of students or people using that website to be policing themselves especially when they're in one of those two motivated states where they're either very happy or very upset about, particularly we know some literature too, talking about how students when they get bad grades are especially likely to be making like these negative ratings. Right. Um, So I don't think that you can necessarily ask the user base to be more responsible. They should, that would be ideal. That would be wonderful. But in reality, again, like it comes down to who's in charge of this website and how they're allowing people to use it. Um, so it's kind of upsetting to, to also hear that that uh, they're not necessarily on top of some of these comments that are being made when they're inappropriate, when they're not at the standards of the website. But I think the, the website should be responsible. I'm
5: on your
7: side.
1: This episode of You in the Ring was produced by Andrew Hines, with help from George Dupois, Silas Cernay, Nicola Watts, and Brendan McGee. Our executive producer is Mary Decker. Thank you to all of our guests on this episode, Stephen Ross, Karen Brown, Alex Fisher, and Rivka and Kevin. This program would not be possible without the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada and the UVic Financial Aid and Work Study Programme. If you like this episode, there are seven other episodes you can check out wherever you get your podcasts. So please subscribe, rate, and review. episode of you in the ring is brought to you by grad house one of the best kept secrets on campus the grad house is for everyone they offer a range of house-made meals that cater to diverse dietary needs and with weekly specials you're sure to find something new every time you visit located right off the bus loop of uvic the grad house is a great place for lunch dinner or just hanging out with your friends the grad house you don't have to be a grad student to eat here if you like this episode about a website gone awry, you should check out our episode on You in the Ring, about the YouVit Confessions and Crushes page, called The Admins. Hey, give me your ear. Let's uh,
0: let's pull back the curtain for a minute and check out behind the scenes of CFUV's podcasts. Hi, my name is Nicola Watts, and I am the producer of All Access here at CFUV. I have for a long time really enjoyed listening to podcasts, but I never really knew what went into the production of a podcast. And I've learned the answer to that, which is a lot. A lot goes into making podcasts. I find that podcasting is this really interesting forum where people who have creative minds really fit well. People who have an ear for music and audio art, people who have creative visions, but it's also a really good place for people like me. I am an engineering student. I feel like I really love logical, linear thinking, and I like being able to organize and kind of work on puzzles and problem solve. Podcasting and creating a podcast really lends itself to these skills. Making a podcast especially under such a tight timeline like we had, required planning ahead, working with all of these converging timelines, and trying to stay on top of what seemed like an increasingly impossible task. But I'm really proud to say that we've made something amazing.